Welcome to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast, a peek into the minds and strategies of the world's greatest copywriters, marketers, and persuasion experts. And now, here's your host, Brian Cassangina. Hey guys, welcome to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast. I'm really honored today to to have a good friend of mine on the call, uh, uh, Lucas Krzyzewski. He's a top copywriter, uh, lives in LA, and uh, and I met him for the first time. Uh, it's about a year ago now, wasn't it, Lucas? I, th- I think I was yep. in the States. So I guess that means yep. uh, a trip back there is long overdue. So um, that, I, mean, I, hear, I hear they have these things called airplanes now, so <laughs> there's no excuse. But uh, um, yeah, that was cool to meet, meet you there and, and take part in your mastermind. But but I wonder if you could uh, um, tell the listeners, uh, you know, um, uh, a bit about yourself and how you got started. So thanks for coming on the, the call and, uh, yeah, and I hope you're well sure. today. Yeah, happy to. Yeah. So I, I kind of came around a, a, a weird uh, way of starting. I was uh, in the military and I thought I was going to be in the military forever. Yeah. Um, and then right around sophomore year of college, realized I didn't want to be separated from my wife for six months out of the year for the next 20 years. Um, yeah. <laughs> So made a lifestyle choice, went to the National Guard instead of the Army so that I could have a civilian career as well as an Army career and um, dove kind of headfirst into the marketing and online business world. Took me a little ways to get to copywriting, but my first mentor was Mike Dillard. He's the guy mm-hmm. who hired me right out of college and he's obviously an incredible copywriter and yeah. turned me onto the craft. Um, after bouncing around Facebook ads, funnels, that kind of thing, I settled on copywriting and then that's pretty much it. Like I, I committed to that in like 2013, 2014-ish and then have, have gone on from there. Um, worked with a bunch of different clients. Mike was obviously the first one and then you know guys like Ryan Levesque, Josh Turner, Harlan Kilstein, um, you know, did, did some work with Jason Henderson and a lot of other people. And um, I've been able to be pretty successful on my own business and then successful training other copywriters as well with my mentorship program, which started around 2016. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember coming along to one of those meetings in LA yeah. last yeah. year and which is uh, awesome yeah. by the way, like <laughs> the, it, was, the cal- it was cool. Cause you and like you bring in your experience from mind Valley and then we had bond there who was yeah. like, it was this awesome insight. It was, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was. And, and the, uh, uh, the, uh, caliber of people that you had there, um, that's what I found really yeah. interesting because it's not like you're just training, you know, new copywriters who have, uh, who have never done anything. You know, there was uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, some serious, uh, uh, you know, people in that room who are learning from you. So um, yeah, that was, that, that was what I found amazing. How, how did you set this kind of thing up? Because uh, for a lot of people who are listening to this probably want to want to become coaches in whatever area they are. And mm-hmm. uh, one thing that, that I could see immediately there that you were teaching people who already had, uh, you know, the, the track record and they'd already had some success and they just wanted to level up. So yeah. um, it's not a beginner's group at all. So how, how did you, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> how did you like arrive at that, uh, um, at that position with your coaching program? So the coaching program started as, like as most things do as a good suggestion from my wife that I went with. Um, I didn't even think of it. I I was overwhelmed with work in like early 2016 and I needed people to help me. And so I was thinking I was going to bring on a cub to kind of like do the, the grunt research work and all that kind of stuff. But she suggested that I have people pay me to learn my process. And then by so doing also help me with the work as I was going through it. And I'm like, that's really smart. 
So I wrote the sales letter, which was a Facebook post and put it in a Facebook group full of copywriters, which I would not recommend doing today. Cause that was like, <laughs> you know, you know I, I probably stepped on the group owner's toes and uh, haven't done it since, but, um, but got some people interested and they paid. And I was like, wow, that's a thing. Um, three turned into seven. Those seven had a fantastic experience. I over-delivered, but I also systematized what I was teaching because at that point I never taught anyone how to do yeah. what I did. Um, I kind of copied my, what my old mentor did to me and then made it a little more like army-ish. Yeah. Um, I had that experience training troops and you know developing training plans and that sort of thing. Um, and then it just evolved through you know the effort of, of myself and my wife and we kind of turned it into what amounts to be like a real legit program now training it. But what I noticed was that from the raw beginner who like just figured out what copywriting is to the veteran, uh, most of them never had any sort of like structured traditional training in the craft period. Mm -hmm. Like they, uh, even the veterans, like, you know, they had their mentor and did the handwriting and did the reading of the books and all this kind of stuff. But there's so much, there's so many gaps in the, in the knowledge of even someone who's been through and been in the craft for a while that teaching what I would consider to be the fundamentals and the principles and like the stepping stones of, of how I see things between consumer psychology and behavioral economics and, and all this kind of stuff and really building it that way, that's valuable for a lot of people. So I don't think that I have any sort of special like tactic that someone's going to come and learn from me. Um, I think that I just kind of put everything that I feel like you should learn into one place and that's been valuable for beginners and for veterans. So that's why I think I attract the, the kind of people that I do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, you know, um, not trying to be too like, really yeah, yeah. No, no, <laughs> I kind of toot my own horn here. <laughs> no, that's no, it's fair enough. But it's, it's, uh, what I'm thinking it's about, you know, the fundamentals that we all use, like even after 15 years, you know, if I, if I uh, uh, forget something uh, um, as right. fundamental as, uh, you know, including you know, enough proof elements on a sales page, then, then that's not yep. going to work uh, uh, nearly as well as if yeah. I included that. So um, that, yeah, that's, totally. that's kind of the thing that I get from what you're saying there. And it's a lot to keep in your head. Um, you know, a lot of, I, like, I wasn't this way. I didn't really have a system for writing. I just kind of went off the top of my head on what I could remember. Um, and that that's hard, like his, cause you'll write something good, but you'll miss a key element. Like, like you yeah. said, like the proof elements or you'll, you know, you'll forget to make a logical jump between like where they're at versus where you're at. And it's just, yeah, so it helps to, it helps to have something a little bit more all encompassing. Yeah, sure. So. Um, but the, the question that I want to ask you is, uh, is, uh, um, you know, you spoke a, a quickly about your military background as, uh, a bit before and, uh, and what I'm thinking is, you know, um, uh, the uh, stereotypical thing that we're, we're thinking about the, the military is that, uh, uh, you know, it's all disciplined and, and you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, um, it's, it's all about the discipline that, you know, the, the things about the, the military that we think about. You know, is that the case? And how, how has that helped you uh, uh, training copywriters? So yeah, the, the discipline helps. Um, but I think that's, that's just a tiny like front facing part of the military, you know, where everyone sees, you know, the, the, the men moving in formation and like, yeah, the cool, yeah, you know, yeah, like all for, for non-military people like me, we don't, we don't have that insight yeah. that you do. So that's why it's valuable. Right. Me. So, so, I mean, it is valuable to be able to, um, 
like for lack of a better word, force yourself to do something you don't want to do, which is basically what discipline is. Um, And then, but then a a lot of the military, especially leaders in the military, junior leaders in the military, which I never extended past like into like, you know, um, like the higher echelons of leadership where it becomes very like managing hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah. Um, But the, in in the more, you know, tactical junior levels of leadership, it was uh, a lot of, problem solving a lot of creative problem solving because you're the ones with you know the boots on the ground and you've got a plan but then you have to execute that plan and one of the uh, one of the truisms that i think it was dwight eisenhower that said it but you know he's who i remember he was like uh your your plan never survives first contact with the enemy yeah. and and so being able to think creatively and solve problems was actually more valuable than i would I mean, as valuable if not more valuable than the discipline yeah yeah that, background brings because and you notice this a lot actually like there's a lot of huge companies now that are started or run by former military like go ruck the is is one of the obvious examples to bring up they've got the backpacks and, and they're huge and then um you know there there's coffee companies there's there's lots of entrepreneurs coming in there's lots of senior executives who are who are coming from the military and i think it's that it's not the discipline so much as it's the creative problem solving and being able to yeah. work with a team that's really interesting. Uh, yeah. Can you have one without the other? So if you're just uh, disciplined but not creative <laughs> or if you're a creative but not disciplined, um, does that work uh, as well or do you need both elements? It can. I think, I think you need both to, to succeed at a higher level because at a certain point, creativity becomes chaotic and, and uncontrollable if you don't have any sort of discipline to put a lid on it. But with just discipline, you end up just grinding you know, it's like, I've seen, so for example, I've seen both, right? I've seen really talented copywriters who have no process, hate editing. Um, so they can write really well, but there's no like rhyme or reason. Like one thing will knock it out of the park and then the next four will fail miserably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then there's the disciplined people who without creativity who will like handwrite every day, you know, they, they will, they will hit their numbers. They'll post content every day. Like it's very linear and with no growth whatsoever for years. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's because they're lacking that spark of, you know, reacting to the reality of what's happening and just, you know, a lot of that, which I mean, comes back to funnels and marketing because so much of what we do is based in principle, like human behavior, like people don't change, but it's also based in like right now tactics of what's working, what people are saying, what the zeitgeist is, all this kind of stuff. So I think you have to have both to really. Yeah. To yeah. Work. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, you know, <clears throat> we want to sort of play to our strengths and we might not uh, mm-hmm. feel that we have one or the other, but uh, um, I guess if we have even even a, a tiny bit of of, uh, of discipline, you know, at least you've got some, something to work with. Uh, yeah. And, and, it, and it doesn't, I mean, you hear the stories of like the entrepreneurs or like, you know, like waking up at 4 a.m. And, you know, like if you've listened to a podcast with Jocko Willenick, the dude's an animal, He's like, wake up at 4 a.m. and stop putting carbs in your mouth, like just this kind of mentality. Um, You don't need to be a Navy SEAL and have that level of discipline in order to be successful. It's just not not true. But if you notice a lack of discipline in your life, then it might be better to cultivate a tiny, you know, a bunch of habits or like a few habits that can help. And if you notice a lack of creativity, like you're just kind of doing the same thing and not getting results, then it helps to kind of like branch out a little bit. And yeah, I think people go to the extreme real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's always extremes and there's kind of uh, a middle ground, which uh, is where most of us live. But it's really interesting, you know, um, 
that you, that you mentioned the fact that you don't have to be in a Navy SEAL to do this stuff. I mean, and mm. the, the equivalent uh, of this is, is you don't need to be like uh, a Clayton Makepeace or John Carlton to, mm -hmm. to, to, to either, you know, write the copy, um, world-class copy or, or, you know, to teach other copywriters, uh, um, mm -hmm. teach other high level copywriters um, who have probably been writing copy for 10 years. Um, yeah. You don't need to be the, the ultimate expert to, uh, to do either of those things. I mean, obviously it helps as, as, as good as you can get. But right. um, one thing that I, that I see a lot of people that, that um, and I've suffered from this myself as well in the past, you know, uh, the intimidation mm -hmm. factor of, you know, mm -hmm. uh, who am I to uh, teach this person, uh, you know, how, mm -hmm. to, how to improve their copy game when they're already making millions a, a year, you know, and, and they, they want to level up. And um, yeah. so how, how do you... Um, how do you reconcile that with, uh, with, uh, um, because you, you teach uh, experienced copywriters, you don't teach, mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, beginners too much. And, but you also write your well, own I, copy. I teach both. I yeah. teach both. Oh, you do teach like, beginners. Yeah. 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 I, I would say that, I would say that my program is actually like more geared towards a beginner just so that they can have that fundamental basis, yeah. but it's not yeah. like it's, it's, it's not kindergarten, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. it's, it's tough. And, and a lot of people come into it for, for that reason, but a lot of veterans come into it for that reason too. Like we said in the beginning, like that lack of, uh, yeah. like, like the gaps, the gaps in knowledge or like the blind spots or whatever. Mm, mm. Um, but, but I, yeah, but I'm yeah. just sort of kind of, uh, um, wondering, do you have some kind of, uh, uh, deliberate process to, mm. um, to get over that? Or is it just kind of instinctive that, that, uh, that, to you you don't have these these blockages when it comes to teaching people yeah. who are already experts yeah so i have a couple answers to that um like in sequence so i i think naturally i tend to be a little bit more like able to teach what i know as and confidently yeah um and, and that might just become from a personality. It might come from the military. I don't know. Like, cause as a junior leader, you come in, you're put in a leader position. Um, and, but there are people underneath you who, who you, you outrank who have been in for way longer and have way more experience Yeah, yeah. in general. Like, like for example, a, a brand new second Lieutenant coming out of the RTC program is going to be put in charge of a platoon, yeah. which is 20 to 40 people, all of which have probably been in the military longer than you. And the guy who you who reports directly to you is your platoon sergeant. He's probably been in for 15 years. Yeah. So, you know, you have to learn to be a leader while simultaneously working with people who have more experience than you. Mm -hmm. um, it, and it's, it's a tough play. So I, I, I came up in that, that helps. Um, but then a big part of it is being confident in what you know and being open to what you don't. So if, you know, I come forward with an insight, a, a lot of what helps is that these, I'm not selling any of these veterans. I'm not like going out and cold pitching anyone to come to my thing. They're coming to me for a specific reason. And whether that's some insight that I had in a post and they're like, wow, that's really interesting. A great way to look at that. Let me talk to you some more. Um, a lot of these higher level guys, the, like once you reach like veteran level of copywriting, like you and I, or like, you know, up in the make peace areas of like the, you know, God tier yeah. A-list people. Yeah. <laughs> what tends to happen is those people are, are lifelong learners. They constantly want to up-level themselves and they might go to somewhere to get a nugget or to get an insight and that's all they want, but they're there and they're willing to learn and they're ready to do stuff. So 
they're, they're more approachable than a lot of people think yeah. uh, in that regard, but it has to be an attractive, uh, like an attractive thing rather than like a, you go out and try to specifically target them because we've seen it all. And you know, they, the, the guys above have seen everything plus, you know, they've forgotten more than we know. And yeah. then, but they can still learn something from a new voice, a new insight. If that insight is, is, you know, basically attractive to them. And I think that's what comes, comes from it where I'll say something either in a Facebook post or an interview like this, or, you know, in, or one of my students will say something and say that they learned it from me or something like that will go out. And then that will ping the interest of the people who are paying attention. Um, yeah. Super organic, but, and there's no way to track that, but it's like, uh, uh, that's what I've found personally for the people who've been more veteran to come into the programs or come to the events and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really interesting. And from, from a civilian perspective, you know, I've uh, uh, led people in companies who um, have been uh, in similar roles and in, in mm -hmm. similar industries for, for decades longer than I've been around. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's always interesting trying to, to, to lead, lead those teams, but um, it's uh, it's uh, extremely valid what you mentioned about being a lifelong learner because the ones who um, mm -hmm. the ones who make a good team in that environment um, are the ones who are open to learning and that and that the ones who don't you know yeah. uh, uh, immediately rebel against the thought of uh, someone you know a, a younger guy like me coming in to lead that team in that company um, yeah and they immediately rebel about uh, against that because they've uh, um you know they've been in that industry since before i was born and 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 all uh bs like that that's right. a, <laughs> that's a, that, that that people sometimes suffer from so um yeah. i think that that's that's a key to um um i can't think it's where where it's where it's not important to uh, that lifelong learning yeah especially now i mean and in our field like I mean, the, the tactics and technology change all the time in our field. And yeah. obviously the human principles don't, but then there, there's always a, a level of mastery and understanding that you can have in those things that is progressive. So yeah. Yeah. like it's not enough to learn NLP once or it's not enough to like learn about cognitive biases once. You have to yeah. see how they apply in different areas yeah, all you, the time. You don't learn anything and then you yeah. know it and then you don't need to study it anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not how it, yeah. Yeah, so, that, that's an attitude that I think will hold you back. Exactly. Yeah, and it, it's so. And then there's the the double edged sword of that, right? Where being a, a a constant learner is a good thing, but not combining that with doing and getting the actual experience uh, is is a real danger. A lot of people tend to like just kind of be I call them armchair copywriters, where yeah. they'll just read everything and watch everything, but never write or do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's tough. That's a tough position to be in. Cause then that's the real imposter syndrome, yeah. you know, where, you, where you learn a lot, you think, you know, a lot, but you've never actually done anything and your heart knows that. And you're like, mm. okay, well, how, how do I know if I can apply this? And I see that a lot. There's so much confidence issues with a lot of the beginner and intermediate coming, coming through because I call out that armchair thing. Uh, and then they're like, well, shit, that's me. And then they'll, they'll come in and they'll have the knowledge but they'll need to be baby stepped through actually doing it because they're yeah. just not confident in their own knowledge. They're not used That's to doing possible. it. Yeah. But the implementation is a new thing for them. Yep. Yeah. The implementation or, and like, like making that connection between like, okay, I know I need a headline that captures attention. Now what? Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like they, you get in that situation, you can often, uh, you know, know a formula the way it's supposed mm -hmm. to be, but, 
um, it's it's really uh, powerful what you said before, which comes to the military that um, that Dwight Eisenhower said. You know, your uh, planned effort survives the first contact with the enemy. So as yep. soon as something deviates from that 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 strict formula mm-hmm. that they've learned um, uh, in their studies, you know, um, that that's when things fall apart. And I think that's one of the problems with uh, a lot of the uh, business mm-hmm. opportunity IM sort of crowd. Uh, you know, yeah. lovely people, but um, they're more about uh, about uh, uh, getting into the, the, the study of the thing and hanging out in the groups and they are with the actual yep. implementation. And they're all looking for that. I mean, it, and this is not just them. Like this happens in weight loss. It happens in personal development. It happens in most like personal transformation industries. Uh, but they're looking for that one thing that will work no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Like that magic bullet. Um, like, and and it's just, easy yeah. to shit on the magic bullet. I'm sorry. I don't know if I can curse on this podcast. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's easy. It's easy to um, to like make fun of the magic bullet, yeah. right? But it's a real mentality for a lot of these people because there's a mix of like desperation mm. and also cynicism of like I just need to find this thing. Yeah, yeah. The and, one thing that works. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that's you know I mean it's understandable from yeah, that. that that's what sells. I mean, magic bullets sell. Right, they don't and then and help the people but. sell once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the thing; they sell once, and then the, you don't sell anything else to those people. Yeah, yeah. Because your thing didn't work. Yeah, unless they're kids, unless they're so um, uh, rabid a, a market that they keep looking for the, a different magic bullet. <laughs> yeah, or if you're like manipulated enough to where you can be like, "Oh yeah, I know that thing I first sold you didn't work, but this is the real thing." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then yeah. try to try to spin that as far as you can. I don't yeah. I don't try to play that way, but no. it, for, sometimes it works uh, for some people at a certain like, mm. like, I, like like at what I've noticed, and this is just something that I've seen, is that a lot of uh, minorly successful publishers in these spaces, fitness, personal development, um, will hit like a six or seven figure cap of income, and that's usually the reason. Yeah is they're able to convince new people that their thing is the thing, but they're not able to take those new people through a result and transformation to the next thing. Yeah. Um, Not always, obviously that's, Mm. that's not a, that's not a blanket statement, but I have noticed that happens a lot. Yeah. And it's something that, that uh, Gary Halbert used to talk about as well. Like if people, if people, um, we're selling more to experienced uh, business owners and entrepreneurs rather than the, the newbie uh, biz op market. Um, mm-hmm. you, he'd say, uh, you know, um, you should sell to the biz op market because there's so much money there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is, which is really interesting because his advice is so valuable for entrepreneurs and, and more experienced people. And, he, and obviously he's a real deal. This is Gary Halbert yeah. we're talking about, but, but even he recognized that if you do, did sell to that market, you know, so much money in there and uh, mm-hmm. so, so many new people coming through all the time. But, but like, like you and I are saying, you know, we, we don't want to uh, do that because uh, you know, we want to sleep at night and want to build a sustainable business. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not advising that, that you sell magic bullets. And it's, I mean, so I, I it's interesting cause I've, I've just been, I've been rereading some of Dan Kennedy stuff, um, you know, some of his books and, yeah. And right now I'm working my way through the um, like wealth attraction and a new economy book. And one of the mentalities that he's always had is it's your responsibility to sell the thing as hard as you can to these people, but you're not responsible for what they do with it afterward. Yeah. Which 
makes sense. It, it's, it, it's a, it, it, you're not responsible for someone driving the car after you've sold the car. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You don't have to give them driving lessons for free. You yeah. don't have to make sure that it doesn't stay parked in their lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, when you're looking at these transformation industries where someone wants to make a personal transformation, uh, it's incredibly difficult for a person to make a transformation. Mm. Um, and I, I feel like the customer becomes infinitely more valuable if you do put in the extra effort to get them that initial transformation. Um, and I, I pan that out in my own stuff with my mentorship program. And I've also like pan that out with a lot of clients who I've kind of pushed to, to give more, yeah. do more. Yeah. Um, because I think that that's what this industry has lacked for a long time is that at, like the aftercare basically like mm. um, helping them move past it. And I think that once you help someone move past it and that initial transformation, they are locked into you. Yeah. You know, they, oh, yeah. they, they, they will sing your praises. They, you know, <laughs> they will tell everyone about you. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's really valuable, especially today with social media and, and, and yeah, yeah, true. <clears throat> True, because uh, you know, um, in uh, in in the golden age of of these uh, these copywriters we're talking about, they didn't have the the social media that we have now. Uh, they didn't have yeah. the exposure. I mean, it, it's like it's like uh, um, the perception that that most people have now, which is fair enough that there's so many bad things happening in the world. But the truth is, mm -hmm. and you'll know this if you're on mm -hmm. uh, Peter Diamandis' list, that the world yep. is actually you know in a in the best state it's ever been, but it just seems bad because of uh, all the social media and all, all the uh, um, instant news that we have. So it's just a, it's just a perception. Um, yep. But going back to your original yep. point, exactly. you know, uh, um, yeah, we do have uh, kind of a, a duty of care. And if we, um, if we uh, do create these transformations in people, and this is why uh, your coaching programs are valuable, you know, uh, uh, then they'll become, uh, they'll become fans for life. Yeah. But it's interesting because it's, it's also like, I, as you were talking, I just thought of another example, yeah, like yeah. this is not unique to just information publishing. I mean, one of the biggest issues that medical doctors have with patients is them taking all of their medication. Like mm. one of like, um, like there, there's this, I forget the actual medical term, but it's something like um, antibiotic resistance or something like that. Like there's a big medical problem happening because people are not taking their entire medicine, yeah. right? So they're prescribed these 30 pills or whatever, these, you know, this four week course of, of medication and they do not complete the medication Yeah. for whatever reason, either they forget, they don't care, they start feeling better, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's not just a publishing or information industry problem. It's the fact that human beings tend to not complete things. Mm. Yeah. And so I think that when the, the, in the past, it's, it's been very profitable and, and honestly, probably more sanity producing to just allow that yeah. and be okay with it. But I think now today there's, there's significant economics in helping people get over that hump and help themselves. Um, we'll see if yeah. it pans out on any big scale, but I think that there is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Uh, now what, what people, um, what I think that people should be wary of and uh, tell me if you agree with this or not um, is that, uh, um, you know, there's still a, a group out there who thinks that, uh, that, you know, um, coaches and mentors should uh, um, uh, publish all the results of their students and make sure that it, every single one of their students is making a million dollars a year or having some massive success in their history. Mm -hmm. uh, and, that, and that's just not possible. 
um, you, you can't uh, um, you can't be concerned with that game because a, a lot of people and w as human beings, you and I are genuinely concerned about uh, you know the success of our students. But um, mm -hmm. but there's always a group out there who um, will kind of you know, re require that we mm -hmm. create transformation in every single person that we take money from, or, or we should refund them and that that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, that's that's like uh, um, going a bit too far. You know, we can't. Uh, guarantee success in everyone, especially when yeah. so much of of a person's success is dependent on the action that they take. And and uh, and fundamentally, Dan Kennedy is right. We can't uh, make uh, mm -hmm. make a person. We can't go to a person's door or knock on their door and ask and ask if they've done that thing yet. Which uh, um, you know, uh, it's part. It's a, it's the first step uh, in the mm -hmm. in the success. So, um, but it, it is it is different today than than what it was before. We do have that duty of care. Yeah. Well, t to your point, I mean, I, there is probably a very vocal contingent of people who like demand that any information publisher or coach or transformation expert or something like that, you know, basically if you're taking their money, then, uh, then they should get the result. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I'd refer back to the car analogy for those people. Yeah. Like if you sell someone a car, are you required to make them drive a car? Yeah. Yeah. Are you, no. required to make are you responsible when they crash? Pay? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, honest, honestly, uh, yeah. Are you responsible for them doing the maintenance to make sure the thing doesn't crash? Yeah. No. Do you, yeah. Like, do, you, do you check, do you give them a call and, and are you speeding in the car right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's, there's a certain amount of personal responsibility that I think any, you know, any yeah, industry yeah. anywhere yeah. needs to, needs to understand about its clientele. Mm -hmm. But, um, and, but to the people who demand that any expert you know transformation person get those results those those people are not worth talking to yeah, because yeah. i'll look right back at them and say okay what have you bought that you completed yeah yeah <laughs> true show me like yeah. i will I, I will i will put money down that yeah the vast majority of those people have not completed the programs that they yeah. that they bought yeah the problem and, is that they can be vocal and, and they can seem like uh, um they're a powerful force but you know behind the scenes I, you know yeah. The vocal the, the vocal minority is a, is a systemic global problem in so many different industries right now that it's not just in transformation. I mean, you see it in politics. You see mm. it in uh, in every single industry. You see it in relationships. You like it's it's systemic, and I think it's because the technology of the day amplifies anyone's voice. Like anyone can have a voice nowadays with the technology, and human nature tends to amplify anger and uh and and vitriol and like drama we yeah yeah we human beings inherently enjoy conflict hmm. and and because of that that's what gets pushed so if everybody's voice is amplified in the same way but we enjoy conflict then obviously the things that escalate conflict and drama are going to be the most prevalent and there's the I, and I use the term silent majority, not as a political phrase, because a lot in America, they're using that to describe like a lot of who votes for someone. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the true silent majority of people who just really don't give enough of a crap about the topic to say anything, those people are never heard. They're silent. Mm. And so it naturally selects for these vocal minority people who sound bigger than they are, because that's what you're seeing. And your perception is that, and it's completely, utterly false information. Like, it's it's bad data. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's how I, I that's how I see it personally. Yeah, that's 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 very important. It's, it's something to really think about. Um, I think that uh, uh, 
we need to remember these things when when we uh, um, are going along our, along our journey because it's so easy to get derailed. There's a million things already coming at us. Uh, we don't need yep. to voluntarily, you know, um, uh, get derailed by by this kind of avoidable stuff. So, um, yeah. So, let me ask you this before we wrap up: Who is the weirdest sure. or quirkiest copywriter or marketer that that uh, you know of? The weirdest or quirkiest um, copywriter or marketer. See, there's a lot of weird, quirky people. Um, I think that there's, uh, I think that some of them do it as a marketing thing. Like yeah. th that's their personality. Uh, for, for example, um, a guy named Brian G. Johnson. He, he has a, he's a quirky personality, right? That's yeah. how he carries himself and he's done it forever. And, and I think, you know, it's him, but it's also his marketing. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's one name that, that pops into my head. But I think... Um, I don't know. Like I'm trying to, uh, every, everybody has a personality that they portray. Yeah. Even Gary Halbert had the personality that he yeah. portrayed. He wanted yeah. to be the Ernest Hemingway of copywriting basically. Yeah. And, yeah. And he did. He succeeded. He looked basically, he looked just <laughs> like the guy. Um, David Ogilvy was, was a character dude. He wore a cape to meetings. Yeah. In, yeah. In, in maybe, I should, maybe that's what's missing for me. I should start wearing capes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too hot, too hot in Thailand for a cape though. In LA too. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I don't, no one really springs to mind. That's like genuinely like, Holy wow, this person is weird, but yeah. I, I can immediately put a dozen people into a box of like, okay, this is his personality. This is his character. This is who he is. Yeah. And uh, Dan, Dan Kennedy, who you mentioned before is one of those. Yeah. Cause he's like, uh, got yep. that whole uh, uh persona based on actively content, on yeah. on on the, the way he wants to to portray himself to its market you know like uh, yeah. uh he talks about to the evils of cell phones and he doesn't know how to use a computer and i think you still gotta you still gotta fax him if you want to yep. hire him right yep yeah I uh, think you've you got to you've got to find a fax machine and, and fax him and if he fax yep. if he wants to fax you back i don't know what you're gonna what you're gonna do but yeah unless, unless you actually have a fax i, I haven't even lived in a house for 10 years was that's actually had a landline so right you know, I have one at home <laughs> and I, I so i like i said i was reading his book and he was actually talking about that on how it's obviously it's obviously deliberately cultivated yeah yeah but it's also now a burden like he yeah. has to maintain that persona yeah he, or, he, can't, he, can't, he can't suddenly yeah. be like uh um uh, on, on social media. I mean, if you see a Dan right. Kennedy profile on Facebook, it's probably fake. So he can't get yeah. on social media and start posting content and, and have, yep. have selfies of him in, in front of, on the beach with a laptop or anything. That's, yep. that's a complete 180 from all the marketing he's spent the last 40 years compiling. Yeah, it, exactly. It's like, it's like a, um, didn't uh, um, didn't Gene Simmons get married recently to that, that girl he was, that Shannon girl he was with for a long time? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't follow like celebrity stuff too much. Uh, Cause uh, um, uh, I know when he spoke at, uh, uh, at the GKRC conference, I think he was, mm. uh, um, I think I may, may have heard something about that, but, but uh, um, one of his things that he had for, for such a long time is that, uh, mm -hmm. is that uh, he was totally against marriage and he was with this girl for mm. a long time. And, and uh, no matter how much, how successful he got in his business, you know, he was, he was never going to get married just as, uh, against the principle. Huh. So, so he can never, um, he can never turn around and get married. Like it's like Dan Kennedy can't be seen walking around at, yeah, uh, yeah. at, a, at a seminar, you know, um, 
uh, using apps on a cell phone because it's completely against, you know, um, uh, uh, that, that whole persona that he's built up. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he can't even really walk around at a seminar. Yeah, <laughs> true. Not really. He's got to, he's got to stay in the green room or whatever. Yeah. Like he's built up this wall around him and, but yeah, like that, Dan's a great example, but I think a lot of people have built that type of persona around themselves as, as a certain type of person and they're kind of stuck with it. Uh, unless they're serial reinventors, like, like, um, some of the people I've seen who've been reinventing themselves, like Justin Bieber and, you know, Lady Gaga and those kinds of people can do that in order to extend the life of their career. But it's, um, for marketers, especially we can dig ourselves into a hole by, uh, <laughs> yeah, by yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. And Dan Kennedy is definitely one of the, uh, uh, quirkiest marketers on, I know. So works um, for him. <laughs> so, um, how can people uh, learn more from you? Um, how can people find that you contact you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, I I'm on social media as Lucas Roshesky just spelled the way that it's on this podcast. Um, yeah. That pops I'll, up everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So people but, should follow you on Facebook and, and yeah. uh, um, uh, other, other stuff. So um, I know you post Thanks, on there. Man primary um i'm starting to look a little harder at linkedin as a platform that i'll spend time on yeah um and then my website is just my name lucasroshesky.com yeah yeah i'll i'll chuck some links on on here as well for who would go to and but they should definitely do that because i know you uh, know your stuff and uh, what you shared here is is really valuable and it's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what you can teach people yeah, so, talk. uh yeah so um do that uh and uh um I uh, thank you for coming on the call today. So I really appreciate that. So uh, sure. thanks for your time. Um, and I will talk soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Good. Brian. It was fun. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to Geniuses of Copywriting with Brian Casagina. To get the full transcript and all the resources mentioned on today's show, go to www.geniusesofcopywriting.com now.